0: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: Hello, hello. Welcome to Love Me, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. As in segment number two. We are going to be joined by one of our good friends, John Jansen, over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the Gambler. We're going to be taking a look at the Phillies' playoff hopes, their race with the Milwaukee Brewers for that final wild card spot. Take a look at both of those teams' games for Friday, and just what else is standing out to them on the board. The NL East race is something that we're going to be touching upon as well, if the Mets can hold on against the Atlanta Braves, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch First, things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways, we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore d1. Keep in mind, let us see them. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast that five-star review. Really didn't wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but this is a podcast that is brought to you today by Vote Yes on Prop 27 and DraftKings. Prop 27 ensures that the good folks of California is able to get caught up and they're able to bet legally online because you've got like half the nation right now that's able to bet legally online. Our good friends out there in the great city of Philadelphia, New York, you're able to go down the line. They're able to, Californians. Well, right now they're stuck out in the cold and Prop 27 this helps them out, so Vote Yes on Prop 27 and vote yes on taking a look at everything that we saw in Major League Baseball on Thursday. So, let's try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better.
5: Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
4: Also, because the Greg Peterson experience is now from 9 to midnight Pacific time and that would be midnight to 3 out on the East Coast. I do have to do my recaps a little bit earlier and I missed a few games from Wednesday that I will polish up right now as well because, well, I thought that the Philadelphia Phillies were going to be going down to the Blue Jays, but they really rallied in the eighth inning. They got it done by a count of 4-3 to thanks to Matt Veerling getting five hits in that game. We'll talk a little bit more about that with John Jansen. We saw the LA Dodgers get just... One hit going into the ninth inning against Madison Bumgarner as the and the Diamondbacks. They take down the LA Dodgers by a kind of 6-1 as Bumgarner gives up one hit. A solemn run to Mookie Betts, the 35th of the season. And for Dustin May, he got tattooed, giving up five runs over the course of four innings. Chris Martin, Alex Vessia, Caleb Ferguson, Justin Brule, all lend a squirrel of sending. And Tommy Canley he gives up a run in an inning for the the Diamondbacks. Kevin Ginkle, Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson, they lend a squirrel a Not sure how their game For Thursday, just because I have to record this a little bit earlier, I can also say that the San Francisco Giants took two games in a row from Colorado, 6-1. They got the job done on Wednesday with Logan Webb going five and a third innings, only 66 pitches, and he gave up one hit. I'm not sure why he was pulled so soon because there was a bullpen game on Thursday, and it didn't seem to affect the bullpen, by the way, as you had from there Alex Young get five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Cole Waits and Scott Alexander, Combined to lend school of sending Thomas Zabucki, he does a lot. A solo run going deep for the Colorado Rockies. Home run number six of the season for Elujurius Moreno, and that was all that they would get as Erman Marquez gives up four runs three of which were earned in five innings. Austin Gomber, Gomber's up three and a third innings, giving up two runs. And then you get a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Gavin Hollowell. And then for the Rockies, the pitching wasn't too bad on Thursday. Problem was they got no offense. And you got 10 hits and no runs to show for it. 3-0. The Giants get it done with a bullpen game as Darlon Garcia and Jarrell Cotton combine for five scoreless settings. Scott Alexander, Camilo Duvall, John Brebbia, and Tyler Rogers all give a scoreless setting in. Yes, Mikey Stromsky was the difference maker in this one. 14th home run season. He goes deep off of a Yerenia. He that home run. Just two runs at five and two-thirds innings. He's now giving up two runs or fewer. Out of his last three starts, Justin Lawrence gives up one run and one and a third innings. And then Carlos Sesevez and Chad Smith, Monday squirrel is stunning. So So, a lot of offense for the Colorado Rockies the last few days. Not a lot of offense for Seattle on Wednesday, but a lot on Thursday. 2-1. to one, The Oakland A's got the job done on Wednesday as Louis Torrance got his second home run season off of A.J. Puck, and that's the lone form of offense Seattle got as James Caprilli in seven scoreless settings. Puck gives up that home run over the course of an inning, and then Domingo Acevedo, a scoreless setting, and then for Seattle, it was a good start from Robbie Ray. Six scoreless settings, and then Eric Swanson gives up two runs without getting it out. Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo, they both funded scoreless setting, and then for George Kirby, it was his worst start of the year, but the the Seattle Mariners picked him up on Thursday. 9-5 the final as for Jared Kelnick recalled from Triple A, Fifth home run of the season. He goes deep off of Adrian Martinez for Martinez. He gives up five runs in five innings including that bomb and then the bullpen did not do their part. Roger Ruiz gives up one run and one and a third innings. Jared Koenig, a scoreless thing on gives up a run and an inning in Kirby Seed. He gives up two outs while getting just two outs out of the bullpen for the A's. They go 4-13 with Ben in scoring position and they get George Kirby out of this game early. He got seven outs, and he gave up five runs off, which were earned, including three walks. His walks per nine rate was about 1.2 coming into this game, so that's just ridiculous. But then from there, Matt Brash, two outs out of the bullpen, Matthew Boyd, two scoreless settings, and then Andres Munoz, Penn Murphy, Diego Casio, Paul Seawalt all lend a scoreless setting for Seattle. To be able to get the job done, the San Diego Padres took down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of one to zero on Wednesday. You'd find out that the script would get flipped on Thursday as the Cardinals went through a stretch where they had one run in 47 innings and it was an unearned run as for the St. Louis Cardinals, Miles Michaelis gives up one unearned run in six innings. He did his part and then Jake Woodford and Jojo Romero lend two scoreless innings but nothing doing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Blake Snell 13 punch outs in seven scoreless innings and then Robert Suarez and Josh Hader lend a scoreless setting apiece and then the Cardinals woke up on Thursday with a four spot in the seven inning as Brendan Donovan gets a grand slam his fifth of the campaign off of Mr. Nick Martinez as the Cardinals win by a count of 5-4. Joe Musgrove gets 30. He allows a home run to Lars Neutbauer in his 5 innings for Neutbauer 13th home run season. That's all he'd really give up. From there, Adrian Martajon, 1 and a 3rd innings. He gives up 2 runs and then Martinez gives up the other 2 of those runs via the Grand Slam and gives up that Grand Slam. Pierce Johnson to Mill both on a scoreless setting in for San Diego. Manny Pachado gets his 30th home run season off of Ryan Elsley who's been very good out of the bullpen. He gives up that home run over the course of an inning. That is a buck 32 ERA Steven Matz, Giovanni Gagos, they lend a scoreless setting in. Captain Jack Flaherty, nine punch outs, so he does allow three runs, two of which were earned, including a home run to Jerickson Profar, his 15th home run of the campaign. So you did see the St. Louis Cardinals finally be able to bust out with the bats. DK Nation pick was on the over in the Minnesota Twins in the Kansas City Royals game, and, well, variance has not been my friend the last few weeks, as John Easley, who's been terrible this season, goes six innings, giving up one run on two hits. And then Colin Snyder, Carlos Hernandez, and Brad Keller, all on the scoreless inning as the Royals get it done by a count of 4-1 for the Royals. pair of home runs in this one as Ed Olivares gets home run number 4 of the season, and then Drew Watchers, the second home run the campaign, both come off of Josh Winder. Winder gets wound up giving up 3 runs in 6 innings, including those 2 home runs. Giovanni Moran from there gives up 1 run in 2 innings, and for the Minnesota Twins, they're now 6-14 in their last 20 games, and all hope of them going to the postseason is now down the toilet bowl you did have the Walker, Texas Rangers take down the LA Angels by a count of 5-3 to three. for the Angels. It was an off day for Shohei Otani as he's going to be pitching in the game on Friday as Michael Lorenzen. Three runs for in five innings and then Jose Cuillada on the bullpen. He gave this one up, giving up two runs in an inning as he allowed a bomb to Corey Seager. 32nd home run season. Marti Perez, an indifferent start, giving up three runs over the course of six innings before Jonathan Hernandez, Matt Moore, Jose Leclerc, Allende, scoreless inning. up for the Angels, Aaron Loop and Andrew Watts They combined for two scoreless innings as well. The move- Milwaukee Brewers were able to get a 5-1 win over the Cincinnati Reds as they look to try to get themselves back in the wild card hunt as it was all about Colton Wong in this one. If it's bad to be wrong, then the Brewers don't want to be right. Three home runs out of them 13th, 14th, and 15th home run of the season. They come off of three different pitchers as well as Hunter Green. He was the starter. He gives up one of those home runs. Two runs in total, of the course, of five innings. Dottie Maretta gives up two runs while getting five outs, giving up one of those home runs. Joe Kuno. Gives up one of those bombs. One and a third angst for him giving up one run. Hunter Strickland, a squirrel ascending in for the Brewers. They had Brandon Woodruff going in this one. 11 punch outs. He gives up a solo home run in his span as Kyle Farmer. 13th home run of season as Woodruff goes six. Peter Strzelski, Matt Bush, and Jake Cousins all end a scoreless inning from there. You had the Baltimore Orioles shut out the Houston Astros by a count of 2-0. An Astros team that still stuck on 99 wins as there was a little bit of an error by Kyle Tucker that hurt Justin Verlander a little bit. Verlander still a solid start. Two runs surrendered in six innings. Ryan Stanek and Will Smith from there a scoreless inning. But just two hits for the Houston Astros team. Kyle Bradish, young gun for the Orioles. He tried to get the complete game. Needed Felix Bautista to get the final out. But 10 strikeouts, 8 and 2 thirds adding scoreless, allowing to it. An absolutely masterful start from him. This game is just going final as the Chicago Cubs, they get it done against the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 3-2. to two. Hayden nesky. a very good start for the Cubs. Someone that they traded with from the New York Yankees. He, says he did allow a home run to Kevin Newman in this one, second home run season, but that was about it. Brandon Hughes from there and out of the bullpen. And then Mark Leiter Jr you two and a third inning. Squirrel is to be able to get this one to the window as for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not a bad start in this one from Mitch Keller, giving up two runs in six innings. David Benar he gives up a run in a nine, and then Dwayne Underwood Jr. and Robert Stevenson. They both land a squirrel saying, This game going into the top of the ninth, so the the Blue Jays might add a run or two, but the Rays, they get it done as it's 10-3 to three in the bottom of the eighth as Jose Aranda goes deep off of Jose Barrios, second home run season for Barrios. He got six outs, and he gave up six Runs all which were earned. That's the Jose Barrios that we all know and love. As you did have two score settings out of Foster Griffin out of the bullpen. David Phelps gives up a run in an inning. Three runs surrendered and four outs by Trevor Richards and Zach Pop. He had things popping. He got five outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run in for the Rays. It was a bullpen game for them. JT Charquois gives up a run and in an inning, and Ryan Yarbrough was supposed to be the bulk guy, but he gave up two home runs to Taz Hernandez, 21st home run season with Mayorfield as ace. So he got yanked after one inning and giving up those two bombs. But Garrett Cullovinger, two scoreless innings. Sean Armstrong, Brooks Raleigh, Colin Pooch, Dustin Knight all lent a scoreless inning from there. Currently, we're in the bottom of the ace, so this one might change a little bit. But 1 to 0. Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves both got very good starts on Thursday has. Max Freed, not necessarily the length that you'd like because he got his pitch count jacked up to 107, but allows one run in five innings, so only two scoreless innings from there, and A.J. Minter is on the mound as I do this, and then how about Rangers what Six scoreless innings, Zach Eflin, Jose Alvarado from there. They land a pair of scoreless innings. You've got the Yankees and the Red Sox going down. As I am doing this, no home run for Aaron Judge, but Giancarlo Stanton was able to go deep. So Stanton gets home run number 28 of the campaign, and Seamus to tie on. Terrific for the Yankees. Six scoreless innings, and then Clark Schmidt, well, he beat on his leg in this one, giving up four runs in an inning, including a pair of bombs. Reese McGuire, second home run season, and someone who's hitting a 0.98 in Tristan Casas goes yard for home run number three of the campaign for Michael Waka. A great start for him. He allows those three runs in six innings as he lot a home run to John Carlos Sam, but John Schreiber from there is a scoreless inning. But with the Boston Red Sox bullpen, no lead is safe with them and the Cleveland Guardians. They should be able to get this one in against the Chicago White Sox going in the eighth inning up by a count of four to one as Shane Bieber has been terrific giving up just one run and he's went the full seven as I am doing this. And for the Chicago White Sox, Johnny Cueto Was doing for some regression and it happened. Four runs three which were earned allowed in six innings and Jake Diekman From there, has come in and supplied a scoreless setting. Not able to give you too much on Diamondbacks versus Dodgers, but what I am able to give you is what we're all seeing in terms of the MOB market right now. And let's take a look at the last 60 days because we are seeing a lot of unders coming to the forefront. 394 unders to 352 overs in these last 60 days. That is 52.8% to the under, according to our good friends at Covers. And something that I've been covering is home favorites not being able to cover the run line. 295 and 173 straight up is the record for home favorites over the last 60 days. That is a 63% hit rate, but among these 295, home favorites have won outright. 83 have failed to cover the run line, and overall for the season, home favorites are hitting at a 60.6% rate, 836 and 543, but you've seen 256 Home favorites, not cover the run line, and overall for the season, unders hitting at nearly 52%, 1,092 unders, 1,013 overs. That's what we saw in Major League Baseball on Thursday, and that's what we're getting trend-wise. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking to our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, taking a look at this crazy wild card race, and also taking a look at some of Friday's games with him next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast.
0: if you dare.
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: I'm Greg, I love you Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Easton Family of Podcasts, and it is always great to be joined by our guests as John Jansen is doing great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, is. I know that he is doing amazing work with a lot of their afternoon and evening shows. And on top of that, I know he's been doing some nice work over there at RP Gamer. That is a company based out in the great state of Wisconsin, which is ironic. We'll hit on that in a second because he does some gaming reviews over there. But with that said, the reason why it is ironic is because John Jansen out there in the great city of Philadelphia and, and the Brewers are in a hotly contested playoff race, which we're going to be talking about quite a bit with John, who. You're able to follow on Twitter at Jay Jansen and then the number 34. And, John, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're in the thick of it now. And the Phillies, are, uh September collapse maybe has commenced, but uh seems like they fought it off just for at least a day. So we'll see if they can continue that. But as much as it is a playoff race here in Philadelphia, it still feels like the same old, though.
4: Yes, it yep. certainly does. With regards to this playoff race between the Phillies and the Brewers, it is very interesting because – this is a critical city series for the Philadelphia Phillies. They're playing against the Atlanta Braves, a Braves team that is absolutely white hot with Aaron Noah and Jake Odorizzi going at it on Friday. And in my opinion for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is the game in the series that they must win because if they're able to win this one, you know what, if you drop a few after that, it's not as big of a deal. but. If you drop the game on Friday, I do think that that would put him in a little bit of a world of hurt because then you've got Kyle Wright and most likely Bailey Falter on Saturday. On Sunday, you've got Kyle Gibson going, which why wow. they're signing Kyle Gibson instead of Noah Thor-Syndergaard, I don't have an answer for it. I don't know if you do because I neither is great, but I would trust in Thor over our good friend Kyle Gibson. But I just feel like in terms of this series the Friday game is the absolute must-win one for the Philadelphia Phillies.
5: Yeah, must-win in a few ways, right? Not just because of the playoff race, but Aaron Nola needs to shake off the September woes, and that's been a big narrative with him, is Aaron Nola's not been good late in the season. And also, they haven't won a lot of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola games. That's been a problem with the Phillies. They're not winning games when their two best pitchers are on the mound, whether you want to blame that on Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola or the offense behind them. I don't really care. It's just they have to win those games. You're right. And they were finally able to do it in a not so great fashion against the Toronto Blue Jays, but they were able to win a Zach Wheeler start. That's a good start there. Zach Wheeler hadn't started, I think, since August 20th. Good start there. You get a good start from Zach Wheeler, then you win his game. Now you have to do it with Aaron Nola. You have to start winning these guys' games because they have been pitching well. Aaron Nola, I get worried about against teams like Atlanta that can match because he gives up some hard contact at times, and he hasn't had some good starts against Atlanta lately. But yeah, you're right. I hate to say must win, but it feels like that because of the playoff race, shaking off that narrative, and the Phillies just need to start winning games that he's on the mound.
4: Totally agree. I think that this is a big game for the Philadelphia Phillies because Aaron Nola has also been stunningly better on the road than at home. Big narrative with him has always been he's typically really good at Philadelphia and he's typically not so great on the road. It's been the exact opposite this year as well. So should be fascinating to see what we get on Friday. And the other reason why I think that that's such an important game is because I mentioned it a bit before, the Brewers and the Phillies, they're in the playoff race. We don't know how Thursday's games went, but as we are recording this about Thursday evening, the Milwaukee Brewers are finding themselves two and a half games back in that wild card race against the Philadelphia Phillies and for the Milwaukee Brewers. Just a team I have really no faith in whatsoever now. The good news is they get to play against the Cincinnati Reds and then after that they get a Cardinals team that, well, for the San Louis Cardinals up until Thursday it was really not going well on offense but has always been a kryptonite for the Brewers being a gentleman from the great state of Wisconsin. I can tell you that, but I just take a look at this race in general. And with regards to Brewers versus the Philadelphia Phillies, I would still give a little bit of the upper hand to the Philadelphia Phillies because even though the Brewers have the easier schedule, I just really have no faith whatsoever in this Milwaukee team, especially as we were talking about with the Phillies with Kyle Gibson, back half of that rotation for the Brewers.
5: Yeah, look, if it was a clean slate right now, you know, it'd be tough. I'd say it's 50-50, right? I think Phillies and Brewers are kind of playing the same right now. Phillies five and five in their last ten. Brewers six and four. You know, Brewers have issues sometimes offensively, and then they'll get the bad start from starting rotation at times. Phillies, you know, same thing. I I feel like if I if it was a clean slate, that I it would be a coin flip. But the thing is it's not. The Phillies are two and a half games up and they also hold the tiebreaker because they've beaten Milwaukee this season. So I would have to give the Phillies the edge because of that. The schedule is easier for Milwaukee, but it's not like I expect them to go on, you know, any kind of long win streaks here. It's just they're not set up for that. They never have been. And the way they have been playing this season, the way it's all playing out. I don't expect it to happen at the end of the season. So yeah, I expect them to have kind of the same record as we go along here for the rest of the season. If I were to say the next two weeks, yeah, it'll be close to the same, you know, win-loss record for these next two weeks to end the season. But if that's the case, then the Phillies obviously have the edge because they have the two and a half games and the tiebreaker. So I'm with you. You know, I think both teams are kind of floundering at this point. A lot of the same issues that they've been having, but the Phillies just hold the edge because of the work they did from June, basically all the way into August, you know, all of that work done, it meant something and that's, what's probably going to get them into the playoffs.
4: No question about it. As joining me on the podcast, we've got John Jansen of Fox sports, Philadelphia, the gambler. And part of the reason why I also say that Friday's game is so important for the Phillies is not just to get a win under the belt with Aaron Noah, but for the Brewers, they're going to have Eric Lauer coming off the injury list, but the good news for the Brewers is they get to face Mike minor and his six of six ERA now. Credit where credit is due for Mike Minor. Two runs of fear allowed in three out of his last five starts, but he has been one of the biggest fade pitchers in the MLB this season. 12 losses and 19 starts, and to get 12 losses and 19 starts, that is relatively hard to do. 0-8 at home, and I think that that just makes it so important as well because if you're the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got to bank on the Milwaukee Brewers being able to get that win in, and if you lose that game – to the Atlanta Braves. We don't know what happened on Thursday as we're recording this, but that sets you a full game back in terms of your lead.
5: Yeah, and so what the Phillies can't do again is they had a complete disaster of a series against the Braves, and it kind of leaked in a little bit to their next series. They lost, I think it was five in a row. They can't do that again. And the hope is that they got that five-game losing streak out of the way. They got a win thanks to five singles from Matt Veerling, which is just crazy to think about. But since they were able to break that losing streak, now, you know, if they can save 500 rest of the way, I think they're fine. They can't get swept again, they can't go on a big losing streak. The hope is that that 5-game losing streak, that was it. That was the Phillies' worst stretch for the next, you know, 2 weeks. They'll be a 500 maybe slightly above baseball team and they can't get swept by the Braves again. So, it's pivotal and I think that game's important because right, it's their best pitcher on the mound. They need to win it and the Brewers have a cupcake of a game it seems like against the Reds. They have to win that game and To me, they have to get close to splitting the series and as much as they can to avoid the sweep against the Braves. They cannot do what they just did in that long losing streak. They cannot do that again. There's a lot of importance on this series and at least being able to split it.
4: I totally agree. I do think that there is a lot of importance really for both teams in both of their series, but the Brewers no doubt have easier competition, to say the least, when you compare the Reds and the Braves. That goes without saying and. What else is very interesting in terms of the National League as well is that NL East race. Because as we approach Thursday evening, the Braves and the New York Mets, they're separated by one game. And much like I was talking about, the Milwaukee Brewers, they should be able to get the job done in their series against the Reds. Now, very much easier said than done, and that's why they play the games. But the same goes for the Mets, going into what is going to be a critical series next week that I feel like is going to decide the division The Mets, in my opinion, absolutely need to win these next few games against the Oakland A's starting on Friday. And Friday's game is really interesting because Chris Bassett is going to be facing off against his old team, which when you take a look at pictures and them facing off against teams that maybe dealt them a year or two ago, there's always varying results because there's motivation here for Chris Bassett, but at the same time for the Oakland A's, there's familiarity. With Chris Bassett as well and right now I am finding the New York Mets at a minus 240 I'm not sure if you find any value on the A's or anything of that nature but I do think that this is an absolutely critical series here for the New York Mets just to not stub their toe much like the Milwaukee Brewers against the Reds it's
5: as simple as you know you got to be Oakland and Miami it's five games coming up and they can all of a sudden, you know, maybe widen their lead just a little bit enough as we're getting towards the end of the season to end up taking the division. You know, and good for them because they were able to take advantage of the Pirates and a four-game series against them, and they swept them. You know, they were able to take a series against Milwaukee, who's fighting for a playoff spot. So I think as long as they continue the Mets to win these games that they're supposed to. And they didn't before that Pittsburgh series. They lost and got swept against Chicago. You know, So it was good for them to bounce back, but they have to continue it. So I think the Mets are in a good spot to take this division while the Braves have been just ferocious in the second half. And it looked like they, I'd say, run away with it. But it looked like they were going to take the lead and maybe like take a a sizable lead considering how many games were left at the end of the season. But good for the Mets, you know, taking advantage of the opponents that are in front of them and they have an opportunity to do so again. And you can look at the Braves like that, but yeah, the Phillies are much better than the A's and the Marlins. So... Yeah, the Mets have a really good opportunity here in the next five games to kind of widen that lead, and I do think they end up doing it. Whatever problems they went through in the middle, beginning of September, it seems like they kind of fixed those, and now they're able to take advantage of, you know, weak opponents like the a's and Marlins.
4: I honestly do think that the toughest game in this series is going to be that game on Friday because the Oakland A's do have familiarity with Chris Bass. They got to feel like they're going to be fired up, and the Mets have to travel out west as well, so that does lead to some issues sometimes in the first game of that series. So I do think that there might be some value on the A's at plus $2, especially with Cole Irvin being as dominant as he has been at home. But I do think that the Mets going to be able to take a few games in that series and be able to stay in pad as joining me on the podcast. We do have our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the Gambler. And John, American League, not quite as exciting as the National League. And well, quite frankly, as we do this podcast, a lot of the games for Friday are off the board because you've got a lot of guys They're coming in slash going off the injured list. And as a result, bookmakers, they like to hold off on posting up alliance. But with that said, is there anything that you are taking a look at for Friday outside of the big series that we were talking about, whether it be from a betting standpoint or you just want to see how a team is entering into the postseason in general?
5: Unfortunately, uh, with the way the Phillies are playing now, I know for Thursday night, I did like Max Freed against Ranger Suarez. And I was at minus 145, I think I got it at. Minus 143, I saw, I got. So that was a low number. It's just, it almost, the Phillies kind of remind me of, of the Yankees when they were really going through some things of how can you kind of stay away from that number? The Phillies are... For some reason, going to get some good numbers and get discounted. I would rather go the other way because the Phillies just look terrible. As much as I think they make the playoffs, I have to bet against them off of principle because defensively, they've been really bad. They've had a bottom three starting rotation for the past couple of weeks, and they're not hitting, especially their top two guys in Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. As long as that's the case. Yes, Aaron Nola, I think, should win that game, and Aaron Nola's a better pitcher, and minus 140, you would think, oh, that's not a bad number for Aaron Nola, who's much better than de Rizzi. but it's that lineup and everything else, and Aaron Nola's September woes, defensive problems, it all culminates into, uh, I think, a good bet for the Braves, so... As much as I think the Phillies should be fine and and make the playoffs, I don't like them in this series, and I, I think I will be finding ways to bet them. And for sure, Friday I will likely be betting the Atlanta Braves.
4: I don't know if I can get behind the Atlanta Braves just because I've got trust issues with Jake Odorizzi, but I yeah, do take a look I at this fair. total. Of, but what I do take a look at is this total of seven and a half. And with Aaron Nola, I mentioned it; he's pitched worse at home than on the road. Jake Odorizzi has been nothing special either. Kenley Jansen, if the Atlanta Braves have a lead, he's due to give up at least one run. Anyone that has taken run lines with the Atlanta Braves know far too well that he's blown at least five this year. And I'm not even kidding when I say that. There's been like one or two blown saves, but there are like four or five other games where he comes in with a three-run lead. And there it is. He gives up two runs and they win by one run. Every time. Yep, I am right there with you. And I do think that what I'm really going to be taking a look at is the over. I'm not sure if you got too much of a look on this total, but it just feels like 7.5 is too low, especially just with, in general, the way that the Atlanta Braves have been hitting.
5: Yeah. So the only thing I'd be concerned about is the Phillies' offense. But obviously, with a lot of what you said about Odorizzi there and Kenley Jansen, uh, it does provide an opportunity for the Phillies to score a run. But the other part in that is the Phillies have been bad defensively. And so. The Braves are going to be gifted some runs here, I think. So if that's the case, I would rather take offense here because I I know the Braves' offense is good, and you know the Phillies could turn it around. And look, their bottom of the lineup has been hitting pretty well. Again, Matt Beerling was the star of the show, and Zach Wheeler starting against the Blue Jays. I think the over would be the play here, and a lot of that does have to come down to just the the Phillies' defensive problems. If you're going to gift a couple of runs there all the time defensively, then You know, I would have to take those couple of runs and use it for a total that's only seven and a half.
4: Yeah, I think that just went a little bit too low. Once you get north of eight, then you're rolling the dice. But with the way that the Atlanta Braves have been hitting and the way that Jake Oterese, just has been far from special, I think is the nicest way of being able to put it. That's where I'm going to be taking a look at personally. But something I always take a look at is your great work, John, because I know that you're doing a tremendous job over there in the great city of Philadelphia. And hey, You've got a lot to talk about in terms of the NFL, as it's been a very good year to start out with for the Philadelphia Eagles. Lots of buzz on that front. I'm sure that you guys are going to be taking a look at the NBA quite a bit as well, because, well, the Boston Celtics got dealt a little bit of a blow thanks to off-the-court discretions. We'll leave it at that with the Boston Celtics. So there's a lot to talk about in the great city of Philadelphia. I know that you do a great job of covering it all, so let me keep you filled up. No, they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general.
5: Yeah, I appreciate that. And also, Greg, it's Carson Wentz week here in Philadelphia. Ooh, yeah. The game Washington, but Carson Wentz against the Eagles. A bit of a juicy matchup that we get to talk about. So 102.5 FM if, if you're in Philadelphia, 1480 AM, but always streaming worldwide along with Beeson and a lot of your stuff, Greg, on the iHeartRadio app. So you can check us out there. Just search up The Gambler and you'll find our station Monday through Friday 3 to 6 for the daily ticket. My show has been seven to nine eight to ten so varying a bit but if you tune in you'll hear my voice you'll hear sean brace in the daily ticket as well and also, yeah, check out my work. I always like uh, talking video games as well. So you can follow me at jjanson 34 do that. Shoot me some questions for NFL and college football I love talking about, but any video game stuff, throw my way too, at jjanson 34 on Twitter.
4: And John does an absolutely tremendous job following all things Philadelphia sports, and every time he joins this podcast, does a great job taking a look at the baseball card. A big thanks to John for joining me here on the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
9: Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard, he don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's gonna guard and then on I'll top of it,
10: like that, see that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella. to point game. I remember you came trying to my room crying tears. <laughs> I mean, he was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember
6: what I told you? I said I said, Oh, G, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
6: And we're back
4: here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It's always a pleasure to have on John Jansen. He does great work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia. The gambler, on top of that, his video game reviews—they are top notch as well. It is always a pleasure to get him aboard, and he's got a lot to talk about out in the great city of Philadelphia. So we shall see what happens on the football front, along with this wild card race. Now it is that time—the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday, as we touch them all
5: if a game is listed on the betting board greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch them all
4: do note that as per usual any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my twitter feed at june at underscore 81 we are going to be going in las vegas rotation or this is where we go with the national league games first and the american league games any interleague games those are going to be at the bottom that will keep things all nice neat clean and easy so without further ado Let's dive in with game 951-952 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs, they're on the road. They're facing up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Buccos. And Javier Assad goes for the Cubs. And the Cubs between minus 108 to minus 115 favorites. Between minus 105 and even money is your price on Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh has a total of eight on this game. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And with the Cubs... I made them a very slight underdog, so I'm going to be willing to side with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, if you take a look at the ERA of Javier Saad, he's actually not been too bad. A 3.86 ERA, giving up three home runs. In 23 and a third innings, he has been incredibly lucky to get out of the jams that he has. He has okay stuff, but the command north of five walks per nine innings, that is far from terrific. So, I do have my big-time caution with Javier Assad. I feel like he's really pitched above his head in his first few starts. And Bryce Wilson, well, he's not a good pitcher to start with. This is a gentleman and Mr. Bryce Wilson that's only given up about 2.4 walks per nine innings, but his strikeouts per nine rate, that's in the neighborhood about 6.1%. Let's give it up about 1.75 home runs per nine innings, 657 OMERA. 578 Road ERA, and he yeah, at home is giving up more than two home runs per nine innings with opponents hitting at 300 off of him. And neither of these teams have very prominent bullpen pieces. Chase Young for the Pittsburgh Pirates, probably going to be the best player on either side in terms of these bullpens. Sub 275 ERA is able to lend some solid innings for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've got Manny Benuelos, Lance Will Crow posting up right around four ERAs. And then for the Cubs, Manuel Rodriguez actually has a three ERA. It's not been too terrible for this team. Mark Leiter Jr. has been a bit up and down. Brandon Hughes has been okay, but Eric Yeoman, not so terrific. And for the Chicago Cubs, dealing with that ailment to Wilson Contreras that does hurt their offense. But Selfie Ian Happ hitting about a 270 for this bunch. Now you do have guys like Nelson Velasquez, Michael Hermes CEO. They are at the bottom, not doing a great job. Zach McKinstry had a rough go of it. But Frank Reyes hitting about a 240-ish since he's come over to the Chicago Cubs. Christopher Merrill, Spent a little bit touch and go, and you do have Patrick trick wisdom 20 plus home runs. If it wasn't for the fact that he spent time on the injured list, he would have 200 plus strikeouts this season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the offense can be a little bit rough. Zach Collins, Jack Swazinski, Josh Van Meter, guys like this have not been terrific. But O'Neal Cruz, eight home runs over the last 28 days. You've had Brian Reynolds supply 24 home runs. He's hitting about a 260. Then quite a few guys like Jason DeLay. Ben Gamow, Rodolfo Castro, Michael Chavis sitting in that pocket about 232 to a 245. So I do think that you're going to have a pair of teams that... Get a little bit of offense going, just because of pitching in general in this game is stinky. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I did set my total at a nine point one, just because I did think that the Pirates are going to be able to get into this bullpen. I do think that the Cubs they're going to be able to hit Bryce Wilson as well, but I think that Javier Assad is doing for some really bad negative regression. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I do think that the Pirates get to Assad. I'm willing to take the Pirates. Getting a, about a pick'em price on them, 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals, they're on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins. To be determined is on the bump for Miami and Josiah Gray. It's going to be going. For the Nationals, this game is off the board. It is appearing as though Braxton Garrett is going to get the serve for Miami. And if we do get Braxton Garrett, minus 142 is the money line on the Miami Marlins. And a total of 6.4 to where a 6 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over a six half or higher. I would be diving in on the under end. For Yosair Gray, he leads the big leagues in home runs surrendered in 37 of them. He has been giving up well over 2.2 home runs per nine innings. He's actually been a significantly better road pitcher than he has been at home. 396 road ERA compared to a 657 home ERA right now. He's incredibly lucky that his road ERA is not worse. He's given up about 2.2 home runs per nine innings on the road, and yet his ERA is below four. His swing and miss stuff has actually been very good as he is getting nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but for Josiah Gray, last three starts, giving up 14 runs and 13 and a third innings, giving up five bombs, 10 walks, and nine strikeouts in that time span. That is far from great. Now, the good news is he faces off against Miami. The bad news is he's got a 560 ERA even facing off against Miami. Now, a lot of the starts came at the beginning of the season for the Miami Marlins. Three runs are fewer now, 33 out of their last 40 games. It's just a plerable at this point. Brian De La Cruz is the only guy that is active for the team that has a double digit amount of homers. It's just absolute sadness. You've got John Birdie who's been able to move the line. He's been actually a really good base healer as he, Nick Fortes, throwing their Joey Wendell, Garrett Cooper, hitting about a two forty seven to a two sixty. But you really have no power whatsoever. And then you got guys like Gerard Incarnacion, Peyton Budrick, JJ. Belady, along with Luan Diaz. These guys are all hitting below a 200. And then for the Washington Nationals, Manessis, Joey Manessis. He has been a menace, hitting above a 300 He has been terrific, and you've seen some signs of life with this Washington Nationals team. 5-plus runs in 12 out of their last 19 games. I do feel like that was a little bit of an admiration, as you got got Better Ruiz along with Lane Thomas, Cesar Hernandez, Luke Voigt in a Washington Nationals uniform, and a Washington Nationals uniform only, in between about a 250 to a 260. so he has been solid. Elie Vargas has given some nice at pass, Luis Garcia, saying about 280, not necessarily a lot of power aside from Lane Thomas and Luke Voigt, a combined 37 home runs from those two gentlemen this season, but for the Nationals, I just do fear that you're going to have a couple of runs surrendered by Josiah you Green and puts this bullpen behind the eight ball. It's not been too bad. Hunter Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez, Throwing their Carl Edwards Jr. These are guys posting up a sub-4 ERA along with Kyle Finnegan. And for the Miami Marlins, Stephen Okert has been able to give you about a 275 ERA. Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, they both have ERAs. They're a little bit north of three, but right around that 330 range. So I do think that the Miami Marlins are going to be able to do a solid job. And I do think that Braxton Garrett is going to be able to lend an okay start. You can tell that they're probably going to put him on a little bit of a pitch count as he's dealt with some ailments this season. 368 ERA overall, but has really lowered the walks this season, about 23 three walks, for nine innings with a 260-70 area at home giving up two home runs in 30 and a third innings. I think we're in for a very low scoring game. So the Miami Marlins minus 142 on the money line. I would need like a plus 155-ish to even consider laying around and half. And then with regards to the total, six or less looking over six and a half prior to the under. 955-956 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. And they are going to be playing us the Milwaukee Brewers. Do be Determined is going to be going for the Brewers, but expectation is Eric Lauer comes off the injured list to make the start here and Mike Miner, he hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Reds. This game is off the board because of the lower question mark, but if it is lower and minor made the Brewers minus 156 favorites on the money line, would need some sort of a plus price to consider the run line and nine or less, I'd be looking at an over on the total and nine and a half prior to the under. For Eric Lauer, the problem has been for him all season long, the deep ball. 298 home ERA, 469 ERA on the road, giving up 17 bombs in 78 and two-thirds innings. When he's been on the road and on the road, he's also given up about 3.4 walks per nine innings. It's not been great in his last four starts. He has given up a grand total of 13 runs across 19 and a third innings with opponents sitting at 295 off of him. So that Has not been good. And then for Mike Miner, he's given up two runs or fear in three out of his last five starts. But if you look at the last two, he's won eight innings against the Pirates and the Cardinals giving up 9 earned runs and 11 runs in total and 4 home runs and 8 walks in 8 innings. This guy has been absolutely horrible this season. He's got a 622 home ERA and a 589 road ERA, giving up at home nearly 3 home runs per 9 innings. That's officially about a 2.8 something, but boy, not good. And I will say this for the Cincinnati Reds, post All-Star break, they actually have a top 10 bullpen ERAs. Derek Law, along with Alexis Diaz and Fernando Cruz, are posting up a sub-3 ERA Tari Moretta has not given up a run since the All-Star break-in for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's a bullpen that is very taxed right now, and it's been a little bit touch and go with them. Brian Boxberger and Devin Williams have been solid with Williams, pulsing up a sub-2 ERA. Taylor Rogers has just been a hot mess. This is a trade between the Padres and the Brewers, which I feel like everyone lost. He's got a 6.63 ERA with Milwaukee. Trevor God is not the answer for this team. They get back Jake Cousins, and I like Jake Cousins, but not so great there. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, what you do have is a lineup that is in the top five in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. William Adams Roddy, us both 30-plus home runs. Hunter Renfro, he's been able to go deep 25 times this season and for Renfro, along with William Adamas, Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, Jace Peterson, all in between about a 240-250. Really, other than Christian Yelich and Mike Barrasso, you don't have guys sitting above a 250, which that is the issue for the Milwaukee Bears, but with the Cincinnati Reds, very top-heavy lineup as Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, Kyle Farmer, TJ Fradell, all in between about a 250-258. to a 258. And then you've got Donovan Solano hitting about a 295, but then when you get into guys like Austin Romine, de Saquito Mike Sani these are guys that are hitting below a 220 and at bottom of the fold, it's not great. So, I do think that you're going to get some scoring, especially in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. So, might tell at a 9.39 or less, looking at an overhand with the Bears, made them minus 156 on the money line. Any sort of plus price would be willing to consider the run line as well. 957, 958 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Nola hopes to be super for the Phils, and you've got Jake Odorizzi on the bump for the Bravos And the Braves are in a routine plus 125 and plus $135,00. Between a minus 135 and minus 145. The number on Atlanta with 7.5 being the total, the over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I needed at least a plus 145 to fire in on the Braves. We're getting to the max. I'm willing to lay on the Braves of a minus 145, but I am willing to lay this summer because I do think that Aaron Noah is going to be able to lend a good start. Now, Aaron Nola has been all over the place because. You take a look at his last five stars, he's given up zero or one runs in three of them. And he's given up four plus runs in two of them. And let's actually make it the last six because he's given up four plus runs in three. He's given up zero or one in the other three. So you either get really good Aaron Nola or you get really bad Aaron Nola. There is no in-between here. And for Nola, 376 home here, compared to a 302 road era. We talked about this with our good friend, John Jansen. He's given up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings at home. But command has been just unreal. About 1.3 walks per nine innings. And you can't say the same for Jake easy It's not like... It's been cataclysmically bad, about 2.7 walks per 9 innings, but he only gets about 7.1 strikeouts per 9 innings. 407 road ERA dating back to his time with the Houston Astros earlier in the season. Just not a guy that really excites you at all. He's got about a 404 ERA. He's a Jag. He's just a guy. J J A G. but with a Philadelphia Phillies, what you do have is the only guy not named Aaron Judge with at least 40 home runs in the league. And Kyle Schwarber, he's been able to do a nice job on that front batting averages out there, but that's what you've got. Other guys in the fold for us. Alec Bohm, JT Riyamito, Gene Segura, and Bryce Harper all in between about a 280 to a 295. Harper has struggled since coming off the injured list, but you know that his bat is going to be there. Matt Vierling had that five-hit game a couple days ago against the Blue Jays. That was solid. Reese Hoskins, 25 plus home runs, 335 on base. For him, Bryson post all-star break has been hitting nearly a 300. And then for the Atlanta Braves, very fearsome lineup as Travis Darno, Dansby Swanson, William Contreras, Austin Riley, all in between about a 270-280 with Riley, 35-plus home runs this season. Von Grisham, Michael Harris, the second in above a 300. Harris, the second in a strong consideration for rookie of the year now. Robbie Gross, Mar- Marcel Zuna in the outfield, not great. But Ronald Acuna Jr. does a good job moving the line. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez has outlooked the same since coming off of the injured but David Robertson, Brad Hand, both of these guys supply a sub-3 ERA for the Atlanta Braves. Rossio Glacius has posted up a sub-1 ERA since getting to Atlanta. Tyler Madsen, KJ Minter, these are guys that you're able to rely upon, though Jackson Stevens is a little bit more of a long guy, has been touch and go, but I do think that Jake Odorisi, not going to give a great start, and both of these offenses are very high-powered with Philadelphia. Wind has been blowing in a little bit the last few days, or else I would have posted this total a little bit higher, but he still made it an 8.2, even with the weather. So, looking at the over in this spot on A7, seven- and a half and one away up to a minus 145 with the Phillies. 950, 9960 on the betting board. It is the Slam Diego Padres on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Ryan Feltner is going to be going for the Rockies and Sean Menea is on the bump for the pods. The Padres are between a minus 144 and a minus 150 favorite. Between plus 130 and plus 135, your number on Colorado. 11 and a half is the total. The under setting between minus 110 and minus 115. The over between minus 105 and minus 110 and with the Rockies needed at least a plus 132 to fire in on them and we have gotten there. I just cannot trust in Sean Manea at this point because with Sean Manea, he has been all over the place this season. The command is a case where it fluctuates by multiple miles per hour via the start, and you just don't know if you're going to get good Shamanaya or if you're going to get bad Shamanaya, and more often than not, he's come up snake eyes this season, a 518 ERA, including a 6.00 ERA on the road, and on the road, he's been giving up about 1.8 home runs per nine innings. The walks have not been bad, as his walks per nine rate is sub three, and on the road, he's actually gotten more than 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but for Shamanaya... ERA over the course of his last four appearances overall giving up 16 runs in 14 in the third innings, giving up six bombs in that time span. Now, the Colorado Rockies come in ice cold with their passes. They got shut out by the San Francisco Giants bullpen cave on Thursday. That's not good, but you do have Ryan McFadden, it's significantly better at home than on the road. He's got 17 home runs overall this season, but at home, he hits right around about 40 points higher than he does on the road, which that's customary of darn near every one of these Colorado Rockies. You're under more like 100 points higher at home rather than on the road, but 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 also with the Colorado Rockies, they generate about 1.1 home runs per game at home, 0.6 home runs per game on the road. CJ Krohn of his 29 home runs, 22 of them have come at home, so I do think that the Rockies are going to be able to wake up with the bats a little bit and for the San Diego Padres, this is a bunch that they score nearly a full run per game more when they are on the road rather than at home because Petco is such a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but with that said, Manny Machado, he's been the main constant for this team, hitting 295 he's been able to go deep 30 times this season, but just take a look at some of these bats for the San Diego Padres and you've got guys like Jose Azucar Will Myers, who I mentioned before, and Manny Machado, all hitting north of 300 on the road. Haasem Kim on the road. He hits about a 265 and a lot of these guys, they hit like 20 to 30 points lower when they're at home for the San Diego Padres. They've been generating a little bit less a home run per game on the road and you just had Juan Soto, Josh Bell, struggle in general, home, road, what have you, but both of these teams, neither are necessarily a great bullpen for the Padres. They're currently without Nebel Christmas one of their best Bullpen pieces. Nick Martinez got used up yesterday. That's not great. Pierce Johnson has a three ERA, but he hasn't pitched a lot this season and Josh Hader has looked a little bit better recently. Still has been a hot mess for the Colorado Rockies. And Nelson LeMet has a sub-four ERA since coming over with the team. Carlos Estevez has actually been very solid recently as well. His ERA is down to a three-four. He is Allowed, I believe, something in the neighborhood of like two earned runs over the last 45 days. So, he's been good. But guys like Jake Bird, Noah Davis and company, not guys that you're able to rely upon. So, I do think that you're going to get a relatively high scoring game, especially with Ryan Feltner being far from terrific for the Colorado Rockies. Let's call it what it is. home ERA, 586 ERA on the road. Overall for the season, Mr. Feltner giving up 1.5 home runs per nine innings. A little bit over three walks per nine innings. And... Over his last five starts, 646 ERA. So not in great form either. Semi-total, I on 11.8. As a result, I'm looking at the over, but getting the Rockies at Northville plus 130, Want to fire in on Colorado as well, because I do think that going to elevation, going to affect San Diego a little bit in this start as well. 961, 962 on the betting board, the San Francisco Giants. They the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. To be determined, it's going to be going for the Saints, and Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. This game is off the board. It's either going to be Tommy Andre or it's going to be Merrill Kelly making the start for Arizona. I sort of anticipate Kelly making the start on Saturday. This number would come down significantly if we've got Merrill Kelly. Just keep that in mind, but if it is Tommy Henry, he would be making a spot start and I'd be making the San Francisco Giants minus 164 as a result. Carlos Rodon has had a little bit of a shaky second half of the season and especially on the road, but Hard to really get behind a guy and Tommy Henry who's going to be making his first start in a few weeks. I believe that he spent a little bit of time injured, and I will say, when Henry was getting consistent starts, he was able to do a solid job. Made seven starts, ERA, but still was able to do a nice job of just being able to hold down the fort in general. Someone with some good swing and miss stuff, but wound up getting tattooed in his final two starts before he wound up going out for a few games, giving up a combined 12 runs in 8 and a 3rd innings against the San Diego Padres along with the Philadelphia Phillies and for Tommy Henry in the starts that he's made at home 3 in total, 496 ERA compared to a 595 on the road. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the big issue that you do have with this team, they back them up with a bullpen that is about a 6 ERA ever since the beginning of the month of August. And I'm sadly not joking when I say that Joe Mantiply has been very solid for this team. He's posting up about a 280 ERA. Reyes Moranta, since he's come over from the LA Dodgers, he's been supplying about a 3 ERA as well. But Ian Kennedy, when he was out there, Noah Ramirez, because I believe that he's not going to be active for this team. Keenan Middleton, Edwin, you said, uh, you're able to go down the list of guys. Luis Fudias, they're posting up north of a 475 ERA. Kevin Ginkle has been good. And for the San Francisco Giants, you're going to need Carlos Rodon to lead in length because they had a bullpen game yesterday. John Brebia, Alex Young, Jarlin Garcia, are all posting up a sub-3-2 ERA, but certainly has been shaky. But for Carlos Rodon, in very good form, giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of his last three starts now. I mentioned the home and road splits. Road ERA of about a 351 2.08 home ERA. Give it up still, though. Six home runs over the course of 89 and two-thirds innings on the road. His strikeouts per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood of about 11 when he's faced off against Arizona. It's been a little bit tough from giving up 10 runs in 17 innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a good job against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that when they're at home, they just can't generate the deep ball like they do on the road. The Arizona Diamondbacks about 1.3 home runs per game on the road at home. This brings to about 0.8. You got a pair of guys in Dalton Varsho along with Christian Walker, both hitting between about a 235 to 245 that have been able to slug out 61 home runs. On top of that, you've been able to have Stone Garrett along with Corbin Carroll do a nice job hitting above a 285. Jake McCarthy has done a good job moving the line. You still have guys like Jordan Luplo, Jordan Perdomo, Cooper Hummel that I've been. Albatross is in this lineup of the years and the Diamondbacks. Despite the overall batting average for the season not being great, they picked it up. And for the San Francisco Giants, they've utilized platoon splits very well. Jack Peterson has been the main manager for this team, hitting about a 265 with 22 home runs this season. Antherio Estrada, sitting in that fold of about a 265 as well. But a lot of guys hitting about a 230 or lower, like Joey Bart, Dom VR, Brandon Crawford, Mikey Strensky. It's been rough years for a lot of the San Francisco Giants' bats, but I do think that they're going to be able to get to Tommy Henry along with what is just a very bad bullpen right now, and I did set my total a tad bit lower just because Arizona has been a little bit more pitcher-friendly this year. Set my total at 80.3. 8 or less looking over at 8.5 prior to the under. Said so the Giants minus 164 on the money line. Pretty much even money or better. We'll be looking at a run line as well. 963, 964 on the betting board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals. They are on the road. They're facing off against the LA Dodgers. It is good old to be determined for the LA Dodgers and Jose Kitana is getting be beyond the bump for the Cardinals, which is why this game is presently off the board. And it's looking like Andrew Heaney is most likely going to get to the start for the Dodgers. And if we get Mr. Heaney against Jose Quintana, would set the Dodgers minus 152 on the money line. And a total that's going to sound high, in an 8.1 and 8 or less to the over, is where I'd be looking an 8.5 or higher to the under. Ding-dong, the witch is dead after 47 innings of scoring one run the St. Louis Cardinals busted out against the San Diego Padres in the seventh yesterday as... For the St. Louis Cardinals, it's not been a good run of offense. But if you look at the overall numbers, because every baseball team throughout the course of the season, they go through sort of what I call the baseball ditch, where they just get not anything to save their lives. They have been able to do a good job of moving the line, like Corey Dickerson and Brandon Donovan. In between about a 272-280 this year, you saw Paul Goldschmidt has been tremendous. Over a 400 on base. He's been able to slug out over 30 home runs. in Arenado, he's hitting about 8295-29 home runs. You've still had guys moving the line. Just they've been without the power of bats. Albert Pools has been very solid since the All-Star break hitting a home run about 11 or so at bats. He's been hitting a 300 and for the San Louis Cardinals, you do have a little bit of an issue with the bullpen not having Genesis Cabrera out there, but Ryan Elsley, he's posted up a sub-2 ERA. This is a relatively rested bullpen. Chris Strain, he was able to supply a 3 ERA since coming over to St. Louis. Andre Palanti has been a good long guy in for the LA Dodgers. They have been playing quite a few games recently. They do not get a day off after they had a double dip a little bit earlier in the week as well, but you've had Alex Vesia, Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips also play a sub-250 ERI Chris Martin He's got about a three ERA since coming over to LA as well. And for Andrew Heaney, he's been much more comfortable in Los Angeles and on the road. 261 home ERA, 270 road ERA. Now, the thing with Andrew Heaney is he's going to give up the deep ball. About 1.8-ohm runs per nine innings. That is an issue, but he's been able to do a good job locking down in terms of walks, giving up about 2.2 to 2.3 walks per nine innings. And with the LA Dodgers, you know that this is a lineup that is going to be able to hit. Going into yesterday, they were struggling a little bit in their previous two games against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but... You got Max Muncy, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Trey Turner, all between 20 and 22 home runs this season. Mookie Betts got a day off yesterday. He should be back in the fold today. He's hitting at 270. He's been able to slug out over 35 home runs this season with Turner and Freeman both hitting above a 300. Will Smith, about a 350 on base. Now, you've got a couple guys like Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, along with Austin Barnes, who have been struggling in terms of batting average, but Gavin Lux, Justin Turner, even these guys are moving the line, hitting above a 280. So, I do think that the Dodgers, they're going to be able to put up some runs with Jose Kitana. Been a very fascinating to watch him this season to St. Louis because since he's come over from the Pittsburgh Pirates, his main nine starts with St. Louis, 244 ERA. Not a strikeout artist by any stretch of the imagination as his strikeouts per nine rate Right around about a 6.8, so he's pitching to a lot of contact, but about two and a half walks, for 990s has done a nice job in terms of his barrel rate being low, being able to avoid the deep ball. I do feel like that could revert a little bit against the LA Dodgers, but I do think that he's going to be able to deliver still a relatively solid performance. So as a result, Dodgers are a minus 152 favorite on my line. Need at least a plus 152 to fire in on the Cardinals and 8 or less looking at this little over 8.5 prior to the under. 965-966 on the betting board. The Houston Astros at the Red faceoff against the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Kramer is going to be going for the Orioles and Jose Arikidi is on the bump for with the use in Astros. Astros between minus 142 and minus 150 favorites. Between plus 130 and plus 135 is the number on Baltimore. 7.5 is the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with the Astros was willing to lay up to a minus 137 with them on the money line. If you're checking out the run line... You're getting a plus one fifteen to a plus one ten with them. I'm seeing it straight minus one thirty getting a run and half with the Baltimore Orioles, and that is where I am looking. I'd be willing to take pretty much a minus one thirty-five or better in terms of getting a run and half. With the Baltimore Orioles, they have been the best run-line team in the American League all season long, and it's a credit to their bullpen, and both of these bullpens have been superb all season long. They both rank in the top six. In terms of bullpen ERA, you've got Brian Abreu, Ryan Sanek, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, all supplying a sub-3 ERA in that Astros bullpen, along with Ryan Presley doing a solid job. And then when it comes to this Baltimore Orioles team, CNL Perez, Zillon Tate, Keegan Aiken, Felix Batista, Joy Creebiel. They've all been able to supply a sub-3-1 ERA themselves. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you do have Anthony Santander who entered into Thursday with 27 home runs. He's been the main masher for this team, but you do have a lot of balance. You'd like to see a little bit more of a leadoff guy for the team, and perhaps Gunnar Henderson, who's been hitting above 300, is that guy. But Adley Rushman at 360 on Cedric Mullins, a 260 batting average. And then I mentioned it with Santander. He Ryan McKenna, on Udias or on their Ryan Castle. These are guys in between about a 242 to 250 throwing their Kyle Stowers as well and for Ode Mateo only about a 220 for the season but has picked it up post all star breaking and Cedric Mullins in the top five in the American League in terms of stolen bases and then for the Houston Astros got all sorts of guys They're able to go yard. You did have Jose Altuve get a day off yesterday and you got to f- expect the Astros to perennially be giving these guys a little bit of rest but he, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker have all been able to supply at least 21 home runs this season with Bregman Fragman 375 on base, Tucker. He's up over 100 RBI. Altuve sitting at 290. LMDCS. He's got his batting average right around a 255 and for Jordan Alvarez. Over the last two weeks, he's been able to supply six home runs. That has been a very good sign for this team, and for the Houston Astros, Chris Vasquez. He comes in as a good inning catcher. He's been able to hit about a 270 overall for the season, but you do take a look at Jose Udikidi. has always had his issues whenever he has been on the road rather than at home, so that is something that you do want to be noting, and I'm seeing on ESPN they were listing Framber Valdez. I'd be a little bit surprised if we do that, see that Rooney. obviously. If Framber Valdez goes, this would be a much higher line, but as long as we do get Mr. Udikidi in this circumstance, 404 home year, 387 roadie which is sort of the opposite of what it's been for him throughout his career, though. He just still gives up the deep ball as he has given up about 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Strikeout numbers aren't necessarily there. Right around 7.5 outs per nine innings. And for Dean Kramer, you just always have that fear that this guy is going to get completely tattooed because he pitches with so much contact. He gets barely over 6 strikeouts per nine innings. So credit where credit is, due, he does a good job of not giving out the free pass as he's given up about 2.4 walks burn-eye innings, and he's only given up eight home runs at 105 and a third innings, and shockingly, it's been a case in which home and road, it's not necessarily been too different. He's given up five bombs and 57 innings on the road, three home runs in 48 in a third innings at home. I do think that that could be a little bit of an undoing, but I do think that even if he does give up a deep ball or two here, he's going to be able to limit them to solo shots, and I do think that the Orioles are going to be able to stay competitive against the Astros. I don't want to be laying this much on the Astros' money line, so I'm going to take the run and half with the Baltimore Orioles, figuring that it's going to be a relatively tight game. I think we went down a little bit too low with the total. semi total at 8.2, so looking over and I'm going to be willing to take a run and a half with the Baltimore Orioles. 967, 968 on the banging board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They are on the road. They're facing off against the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yanks and Rich Hill is going to be going for Boston. Boston, between plus 185 and plus 192 underdogs, between minus 210 and minus 215 is your number on New York. 7.5 to 8 is the total. On 7.5, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8, under is minus 1 fifteen the over is minus one oh five. Yankees' run line, is that even money? I'm willing to lay it. Rich Hill is just a complete fade at this point. He is the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues, and it shows. Now, the one thing that I will give Rich Hill before we wind up daring into him a little bit is that he's been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. He's got a 470 ERA overall for the season, but that's a 367 on the road compared to a 607 at home. On the road, he's only given up five home runs in 61 and third innings. Not necessarily because he's missing barrels or anything like that, but positive progression has been there from, but you did take a look at our good friend Rich Hill. He had to go up against the er Yankees this season, but in his last five starts, he has allowed in that time span. One home run and yet a 474 ERA. It's just contact upon contact because his swing and mid stuff is non-existent at this point. He's only getting about seven and a half strikeouts half cuts for nine innings a career low for him. Now he's also giving up about 2.8 to 2.9 walks for 9 innings, but Garrett Cole, he pitches his best when he is in the Bronx. Now, the one thing that you want to note with Garrett Cole as well, he's got issues with Boston as he has has a 5.48 ERA against him this season, last season. Relatively similar numbers as he's given up seven ding-dongs in 23 innings. He has a 3.02 home ERA compared to a 3.83 road ERA, though. And at home, the home runs per nine rate that he gives up is about 1.1. Compared to on the road, it's more around 1.75. So very much of significance there. And his walks per nine rate at home, it's about a 1.5 as well. So he's been solid. And for the New York Yankees, no question about it. Aaron Judge, it is going to be all eyes on him, whether or not he can break the record for home runs, and he's also chasing the triple ground, by the way, which is just absolutely insane, and it's all about protection, buying them as Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, John Carlos Stanton, these are all guys in between about a 210 to a 225. Now, with Rizzo and Stanton, they've combined for about 60 home runs this season, which, I mean, that's a very good number, but these guys are not doing a good job of moving the line here. It's Bader, to my surprise, since he's come off the injury list, is actually looked halfway decent. He and Isaiah Canepra-Luffa moving the lining between about a 255 to 265. but you look at Boston they've got some matchups of their own as Rafi Devers, J.D. Martinez, Alex Verdugo, Christian Royal, all hitting above a 270 with Devers hitting more around a 295. And for Devers, 27 bombs this season. You really don't have a lot of other power bats in this lineup as you've had Tommy Pham slug out 16 home runs as Trevor Story seems like he's dealing with another injury. And the bottom of the full when you've got guys like Kike Hernandez, Tristan Kosta, Bobby Dahlbeck, Yu Chang hitting a 2.25 or lower. That could be a little bit of a hot mess, but top of the fold has been solved for the Boston Red Sox, but real reason why I like this all over, this Red Sox bullpen, dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA since the All-Star break as Frank German, Matt Barnes, Brian Brazier, Edward Bazzardo, Caleb Ort, all posting up north of a 5 ERA. Now they're without Garrett Woodlock, and that means that John Schreiber has got about a 2 ERA. He's our only reliable guy, and for the New York Yankees, we've seen the pitfall of Clay Holmes, but you still have guys like a Lou Trevino in a Yankee uniform, and a Yankee uniform has been relatively solid. He's been posting up in this science fan an ERA that is sub-3, and then you've got guys like Ron Medanacchio, Lucas Lutke posting up a sub-3 ERA, Wandy Peralta has still been able to do a solid job as well. So I do think that the Yankees have the leg up. I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 120 on this run line, and when it comes to the Yankees, I think that they really get to Rich Hill and this terrible bullpen. So I tell it an 8.7, so looking over and looking at the Yankees on the run line, 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Toronto Blue Jays are on the road facing up against the Tampa Bay Rays as Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays and to be determined is on the bump for the Blue Jays. Now, Fan is projecting that, you know what? It's Alec Manoa who's going to be going for the Jays, and in this case, it would be a rather pick em game. If we get the good old bullpen game of the Blue Jays, expect about a 40-cent move off of that, maybe even a little bit more, but I've got this as a relative pick-em with the Rays. If it is Manoa versus Springs, I actually made the Rays a very, very small favorite with Jeffrey Springs out there because this guy has been absolutely magnificent. 94 home area compared to a 288 area on the road. It does a good job of being able to give you some swings and misses in the neighborhood of about 9.6, 9.7 straight cuts per nine innings. He's given up about one home run per nine innings. So he's been a very nice steady Eddie guy that in two starts against the Toronto Blue Jays has not allowed a run. And if you do get Alec Manoa, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home now. Obviously subject to a lot of change, but for Mr. Manoa, a road ERA of a 223 compared to a 2.58 home ERA has kept the ball in the yard all season long giving up about 0.8 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is about a 2.3 that has allowed him to go deep as well as he's been one of the best workhorses arms in all the big leagues, and for the Blue Jays, they had to dive deep into their bullpen because... You wound up having Jose Barrios give up six runs. They got six outs yesterday. Good old Jose Barrios coming to the forefront there. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, you've got plenty of power on this team as Boba Shett, Chapman, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, all guys with at least 21 home runs this season. And the only guy that's sitting below a 255 out of this bunch is Matt Chapman, who's been able to supply about a 325 on base. You've had Alejandro Kirk hit about a 300. Yes, we are going to call his name And then Danny Jansen. He's been able to give you about a 255 average as well towards the bottom of fold. And then with the Tampa Bay race, that's been a little bit of an issue. Not a lot of guys moving the line, but Jose Miranda, Wanda Franco, along with Randy Arena are in between about a 270. And Miranda's actually up to closer to about a 285. You went TPS yesterday as well. Manuel Margot, Yandy Diaz, and Diaz dealing with a little bit of ailment. in between about a 292 and 300. Then you've got Harold Ramirez, hitting about a 300 for this bunch as well. You do have a couple dead bats like Taylor Walls, G-Man Choi, Jose Siri, hitting about a 225 or Lauren Choi. It's really seen a a big fast towards the back half of the season, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, they also do a nice job of supporting our good friend Jeffrey Springs says Brooks Raley, Jason Adam, Feet Fairbanks, all posting up a sub-3 ERA. You've had a few guys like Dustin Knight who have not been too impressive, but the Rays, they've got a really good bullpen, so I did make them a slight favorite if it is going to be Alec Manoa, and well, if you get a bullpen game for the Blue Jays, that is not going to be ideal considering their usage yesterday. I'd be making probably north of a 40-cent line move as I take a look at this right now, and if it is Manoa versus Spring, 6.5 or less. Looking at the over on the total and a 7 or higher to the under, we get a bullpen game. This could turn into a seven 7.5 or less to the over. It would be probably that dramatic. 971, 972 on the bang board. The Cleveland Guardians hit the road it off against all Walker-Texas Rangers as 55 shades of John Gray goes for the Rangers and Cody Morris is on the bump for the Guardians, and the Guardians are a very slight underdog. You're going to be getting them in between minus 105 and even money, and then between minus 105 and minus 115 is the number on Walker Texas. 8 is the total, the under is minus 120, and the over is even, and with the Cleveland Guardians, made them the very slight minus 106 favorite. Seeing even money to minus 105, I'm going to be willing to ride with Cleveland, because with Cleveland, they're all of a sudden getting really good length out of Mr. Morris, and for the Guardians, post All-Star break, they have been the number one team in the big leagues in in terms of bullpen ERA, I mean all these guys coming out of this bullpen have been terrific. You know about James Karinchek and Emmanuel Clase, the best eighth and ninth inning duo in all of baseball. But Sam Entices, Aniel de los Santos, Nick Samlin, Trevor Steve, and all these guys are supplying a sub three one ERA as well. In the Rangers bullpen, you do have Jose Leclerc, who's been able to supply about a three ERA, and then you've got a pair of guys in like Matt Moore Brock Burke, sub two fifty ERAs out of both of them. But when you get into guys like John King and Brett Martin, it can be less than impressive. And for John Gray. This is, I believe now, start number two coming off the injured list, and he hasn't delivered a lot of length. He hasn't been bad. I mean, he's given eight innings in two starts against the Rays and the Miami Marlins on the road giving up three runs, only one walk. The strikeout numbers are there, but you tell that they're just sort of easing him back, and they don't want to rock the boat prior to 2023, and for Cody Morris, he went six innings in his last start against the Minnesota Twins, giving up just one run. Prior to that, he had went four innings or fewer in his previous three starts, and I don't think that he's going to be quite going six because his high pitch count in the minor leagues this season had been 61 pitches, but it's been rather impressive to watch him, and his four starts, a 230 ERA. He has really needed to be sort of like the guy at the restaurant. You've got your chef and everything like that, and then you've got the waiter that needs to not spill the soup. That's what he needs to be for this bullpen, and he has done a good job of not spilling the soup, so credit where credit is due to our good friend, Mr. Morris, but you do take a look at this Guardians lineup, and they do a tremendous job of getting on base, and on top of that, they actually hit about 63 to 64 Percent of their home runs for the season on the road, they have not been generating any offense at home in terms of the deep ball. But you have Oscar Gonzalez throwing their Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario, and Jose Ramirez. All these guys, they've been able to hit at least a 275 with Ramirez, 27 plus home runs over 100 RBI. And then you've got Josh Naylor, he's been able to do a good job of nailing those home runs 19 bombs. He's hitting a 260 himself. Flip side for the Rangers, you've got four guys that be able to crank out at least twenty home runs this season: Marcus Simeon, Adalise Garcia. Corey Seeger, and then you're able to throw in there Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe is sitting above a 300. The rest of the guys sitting between about a 245 to 255 towards the bottom of the fold. Bubba Thompson, Laodie Tavares are in between about a 270 to a 280. You've got a young gun that has been very highly touted, and Josh Young has been able to supply a trio of homers in a very small sample size at the big league level. But I do think that the Guardians should be the rightful small favorite here. I do think that John Gray is going to go a little bit deeper than he did in his last few starts, but I think that this is probably going to be a five and out start for so semi total is 7.7. Looking at the under, I think that the Cleveland Guardians is going to be able to get this one to the window with their bullpen, so looking at the Guardians to go along with that under. 973 and 974 on the betting board, the Seattle Mariners are on the road facing off against the Kansas City Royals as Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Mariners, and to be determined is on the boat for the Kansas City Royals, which is why this game is off the board, but according to fan graphs, it looks like we're going to be getting Brady Singer, and if we've got Brady Singer on the mound, I made the Royals a minus 160 favorite because Marco Gonzalez is a fate at this point. Marco Gonzalez should not have the ERA that he does. His fielding independent is nearly a full point higher. Then his ERA and for Mr. Gonzalez he has had his issues on the road as he's posting up a 480 road ERA, 336 home ERA. He gets about five strikeouts per nine innings. Opponents hit a 300 off of him on the road and on the road. His nickname has been Hickory because he's been getting smoked, giving up 1.75 home runs per nine innings with right around three walks per nine innings. So it's not even like the command is very good. Meanwhile, if you get Brady Singer, this guy's been making opponents sing the blues. as he has been absolutely incredible. The second half of the season with the Royals says, second half of the season, post all-star break, he's got an ERA that is sub 230. He's done a tremendous job of just not giving out walks in general. Overall, for the season, he's been giving up about two walks per nine innings and strikeouts per nine rate. They hover right around 8.8 or so. Opponents during about a 246 off of him, which is a little bit high, and he's been very good at home. 287 home ERA, 340 road ERA. He's given up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings when he has been at home, but I mean, this guy just has it all going on right now. For the Seattle man They got their offense going on Thursday, but they've got the lowest batting average in the American League since the All-Star breaking their deal with an injury to Angel Hino Suarez. Now, you've got a trio of guys that have been able to go deep 20-plus times for the team this season as Leo Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, and then you've also got Ty France now in the fold as well. And for France, he's been able to hit 270, but with someone like a Cal Raleigh, Jerry Kelnick, who did go deep yesterday... Jesse Winker, Louis Torrance, Dylan Moore. You've got so many guys that are right now inning below at 225 for the team. But Rodriguez has done a good job moving the line, getting so on base, about an issue. Now, the good news for the Seattle Mariners this bullpen has been supreme. Top three in the big leagues since the beginning of the month of July in terms of ERA. Andres Munoz, Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, Paul sewald They're all posting up a sub three ERA. Diego Castillo but a little bit of an adventure with him, but even something like a map rash over the last 45 days since he made the move to the bullpen, he has been masterful. And we really can't say Said last bullpen ERA in the American League. as Mayor Garrett has been a big giant waste of money. Colin Snyder, Anthony Bachevich, Luke Weaver, all these guys are giving you north of a 48 ERA. You'd like Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow, sub 3 ERA there. But for the Kansas City Royals, all of a sudden you've gotten a little bit of offense out of your two main managers and Bobby Wood Jr. along Salvador Perez. Both of these guys saying between about 245 to 255, 20 to 22 home runs a piece for them and for Perez. Over the last 30 days, he's been hitting nearly a 300. and Olivares is hitting a 300. And then you've got a lot of younger guys starting to come up for this team as well as Michael A. Taylor is hitting about a 255. Nate Eaton has been hitting nearly a 270. Nicky Lopez has moved the line. MJ Melendez has had his struggles, but he's been able to supply some home runs as well. So, it's a case where if you do get Brady Singer versus our good friend Marco Gonzalez, I'm making the Kansas City Royals minus 116 in this spot, and with the total, I'd be making it a 7.2. 7 or less, we'll be looking at an over 7.5 to the under. If this becomes a bullpen game for the Royals, I could honestly move this line 60 cents because it is a a big downgrade from Brady's Singer, so check back on that, but if we do get Singer on the bump, certainly would be probably taking a look at the Royals, unless if we get a little bit of a strange line. 975-976 on the betting board. This is going to be the DK Nation pick, as the Detroit Tigers in third face-off against the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Shealy, too, is going to be going for the Sox, and Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be on the bump for Detroit. 7.5 is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 with the White Sox. Getting them between a minus 175 to a minus 180. Between plus 150 to a plus 163 is your number on Detroit. And the DK and Asian pick is going to be on the over. I set my total at an 8.8. All of a sudden, the Detroit Tigers have been able to score some runs here in September. They've got one of the highest WRC pluses since the beginning of the month of August now. They had a little bit of a deplorable effort last two nights against the Baltimore Orioles, but by and large, this is a Tigers team that is starting to put bat to ball, and I really can't believe what I'm seeing, but it's a bunch that may have been able to generate some runs. They had that 11-run outburst a few nights ago against the Baltimore Orioles, and for the Detroit Tigers, you actually have guys that are starting to move the line, as Javi Baez, you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last we're going to call it about 35 or so days, and he's been hitting above a 300. As a matter of fact, more in the neighborhood of about a 333. Now, you do have guys like Jonathan Scope, Jameer Kendallario, Tucker Barnard, Spencer Trokelson hitting a 2.15 or lower, which is not great, but Kerry Carpenter is hitting a 2.75. He's got six home runs and 90 at-bats. He's been a nice addition for this team. Miguel Cabrera, when he plays, is actually able to move the line. Eric Koss is hitting about a 2.50, Along with Riley Green, so that's been halfway decent, and also with the Detroit Tigers. since so the beginning of the month of August, their ERA in the bullpen is north of a 4.5. That is far from terrific, as that's really been one of their calling cards all season long, as guys like Jose Sierra and Andrew Jaffin have been able to keep it going, but Daniel Norris north of a 5 ERA. Alex Lang are in the 4 range in his ERA. Garrett Hill has not been good coming out of the pen as well and for the Chicago White Sox, Lucas Giolito just stinks. I mean, I wish I could put it any other way, but for Lucas Giolito, he's got a 4 ERA over his last five starts, giving up four home runs in 27 and third innings, and that's supposed to be considered progress. He's got a 4 ERA against Detroit this year, and Detroit has been the most deplorable offense in the American League, and he's got a 6.61 home ERA. His walks per nine rate at home is about three, which isn't too bad, but he's also giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings, with opponents taking a 3.13 off of him, and the one thing that the Chicago White Sox, who have very good job of is this is a bunch that they are going to do a nice job of moving the line as you've got guys like Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez all hitting at least a 280 for this team. All these guys really have between about 13 to 17 home runs. You haven't gotten a lot of home run power out of these guys, but that's still relatively solid. Bullpen has been a very touch and go as Jimmy Lambert and Ronaldo Lopez have been failed starters have really come through in this bullpen. Both of these guys supplying a sub 3-2 ERA and. And then Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graveman have been rock solid themselves. And you do take a look at the starter in Eduardo Rodriguez. He's just been all over the place and he hasn't been good. Three and a half walks for nine innings, about 1.2 home runs. Per nine innings ever since he was dealing with injuries slash some personal issues. It's been a hot mess. He's given up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. Actually did give up two runs in the six and a third innings in his last start against the Chicago White Sox. I don't think Lightning is going to be striking twice for him. And you do take a look at Eduardo Rodriguez on the road. Relatively similar to his home numbers. 426 road ERA, 443 ERA at home. But the command has not been there for him. That'll probably get him out of this game relatively early. I do think that White Sox Going to be going death by a million cuts. Semi-tall at 8.8. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the over in this spot. And with the Chicago White Sox... Made them minus 173 on the money line. A little bit more interested in the run line. I set that at a plus 112, getting between plus 115 to a plus 120 in a higher scoring game. I think that the White Sox can win this game by multiple runs. So looking at the run line of the Sox, DKNH pick on the over. 977, 978 on the bank board. It is the LA Angels. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Kittle to be determined is on the bump for the Twins, and it's showtime. Shohei Otani going for the LA Angels. So this game is currently off the board, and... Fangraphs was projecting a little bit earlier that we are expected to get Joe Ryan and if we get Joe Ryan against Shohei Otani, we would be willing to make the Angels a road favorite of minus 122 and if it's not Joe Ryan this actually goes northward because Joe Ryan has an ERA that's nearly two points better when he's at home rather than on the road and his home runs per nine rate is cut nearly in half. I won't elaborate much further because it's a big mystery with the Twins because things have just completely fallen out for them. They have lost 14 out of their last 20 games. They went from a team that literally seven days ago was was right in the playoff hunt to being just now in the doo-doo bowl and they're making tea times for October. So that's not great, but you know what? For sure Otani, he's led the team to victory in each out of his last four starts and this guy is on absolute fire. He has given up two runs or fewer in eight out of his last nine starts. Shohei Otani actually has numbers comparable to Corbin Burns when Corbin Burns won the Cy Young last season. His strikeouts per nine rate is north of 11. His home runs per nine rate is about a 0.9, and he's been significantly better on the road this year than he was last year. Last year, he had north of a four ERA on the road. This year, 296 road ERA compared to a two-home ERA in Minnesota, one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks they're going to find in the big leagues. Now for the LA Angels, the bullpen has been a little bit touch and go, but it's been better since since the beginning of the month of August, as you've got quite a few guys, like a Zach Weiss, you're able to throw in there Jose Quijada, they're posting up a little bit north of a 3 ERA, and then Jimmy Herget. he's done a nice job, he's got about a 250 ERA for the Minnesota Twins, they had to use up Giovanni Morin for two innings yesterday, that's not great, Ode Lopez, since coming over to Minnesota, north of a 5 ERA, Michael Fulmer has been solid though, as he and you're able to throw under Johan Duran, who leads a big league in terms of relievers, throwing 100 plus mile per hour pitches, they both have a sub 3-3 three, three ERA, but for the Minnesota Twins, Wins. The ailments have really caught up with him. Byron Buxton, he's still on the injured list, along with Ode Palanco, two of the best home run hitters. Now you still have guys that are able to move the line: Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Gio Urshela. Kyle Garlick, all these guys in between about a 260-280. Carlos Correa, he's went deep over 20 times. 290 batting average, Luis Arias. He's got about a 370 on base as well. But then you do take a look at the flip side for the LA Angels. And it's a top-heavy lineup as you've got a pair of guys in like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani combining for nearly 70 home runs. Both of these guys have done a good job moving the line as these two, Luis Ranifo, Taylor Ward, in between about a 265-276 to a 276 now. But on the full guys like... Mickey Monick, Kurt Suzuki, Michael Stefanovich, Mangolia Sierra, you're able to go down the line. They have not been good, but that front part of the LA Angels lineup, it is very solid. So, did make my total relatively low. If it is Ryan versus Otani, seven or less looking at the over seven and a half higher to the under, keep in mind, very pitcher friendly ballpark in this one with Otani versus Ryan, maybe Angels minus 122. If it's someone else for the Twins, this summer is going to be jacked up even further for Shoya Otani. And we wrap things up with nine seventy 980 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's playing out to the New York Mets you <laughs> Chris Bassett is the hook line and sinker for the Metropolitans, and Cole Irvin is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland between a plus 185 to a plus 210 underdog, and between minus 215 and minus 235 is your number on the Metropolitan. Seven is the total, over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. The A's have actually been scoring this month. They're averaging about four and a half runs per game, and I do think that they're going to be able to provide a little bit for Cole Irvin. Now, Chris Bassett has been absolutely masterful, but the one thing that you want to note here with Chris Bassett as it is that he got traded in the offseason from Oakland and typically when you've got a guy facing off against his old team, it goes one of two ways. It either goes really, really good or really, really bad. There's not a lot of in-between. I do think that Bassett is one of those guys that's going to do a nice job holding down the fort. He's been a little bit more perky-jerky on the road, 384 road ERA compared to a 295 home ERA, but still he's been able to contain the deep ball overall for the season about 0.85 home runs per nine innings, so walks per nine rate. That is in the pocket of about 2.3, so he's done a solid job, but I do think the Cole Irvin is going to be a hold down this New York Mets team. This is the most pitcher-friendly ballpark in the big leagues, and for Cole Irvin, has been not as great for him recently, but still a 275 home area. Compared to a 5.17 ERA on the road, giving up 5 home runs at 95 innings at home. as walks per 9 rate when he is at home. That is a sub-2 as well. Now, last 5 starts, he has given up 5 home runs and a grand total of 21 runs over the course of 31 innings. Good for a 5.81 ERA because one of those was unearned. And for the Oakland A's, dealing with some ailments in the bullpen as Sam Mall is currently out of the fold. A.J. Puck post-all star break has been giving you about a 4 ERA. Domingo Acevedo, he's still out there though. He and Joel Piamps Overall for the season, have a sub three sixty ERA, so they've been able to do an okay job. Austin Pruitt has been a little bit touch and go as well, but he's become a little bit more trustworthy recently. He's been posting up a sub-3.50 ERA over the last 35 days, and for the New York Mets, Seth Lugo, since he also broke a sub-3 ERA, got a pair of guys in, Adam Anovino and Tommy Hunter giving you a sub-3 ERA. Edwin Diaz, he has been the best closer in the National League this season, but I do have my fear that the Mets might have a tough time being able to generate a few runs, especially here on the road because with the Metropolitans, you've got a guy Pete Alonso, who's been amazing. 37 home runs north of 100 RBI and I do like Francisco Lindor as well. He's up to 99 RBI. Both of these gentlemen throwing their Brandon Nimmo, Marcana all in between about a 264 to a 271 but not having Starling Marte in the fold has really hurt the team. I believe that he's also a former Oakland A so that is a, a bit of a ailment and then you've got Jeff McNeil. he's sitting above a 300. Luis Colorme is so about a 280 as well but you can tell that without Starling Marte in the fold they don't have that table setter in. That is really Really affected them. And for the Oakland A's, far from a terrific offense, but you've got a pair of guys in Seth Brown and Sean Murphy that have combined for over 40 home runs this season. Murphy's been able to hit about a 250. And Tony Kemp over the last three days has hit darn near a 300. That has been a nice find for the team. Very Limited at bats, but Jordan Diaz is hitting about a 250. He's moving line for the team. You still have albatrosses like a Stephen Vogt has been hitting below the nose line of a 200. Nate Allen, Shea Langolaris have not been too terrific, but they're putting in some young guys. They're starting to get something out of some. Like a Dermis Garcia. So I do like what the A's are doing. Needed at least a plus 185 to fire it on them, and we have gotten there. And so my total 6.6. Marine Lair is going to be out. I think that Bassett actually gives a good start against Oakland. I think the Cole Irvin is going to continue to be masterful in Oakland. So looking at the under to go along with the Oakland A's, and that wraps things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VSM Family podcast. A big thanks to our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're from this fine podcast, The Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at you it earns 41 Keep in mind the yeah. M, maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, that is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, irritable fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.